0: (laughs) and get your feelings on on i mean is that is luck a thing that you have that you have stumbled upon thus far in in your studies and your in your pursuits in school
1: honestly i i believe there's a correlation between luck and hard work the harder you work the luckier you'll get and then every once every once in a while here and there you'll just have a happy coincidence of picking the right school at the right time to go and visit and just amazing ideas, amazing environments, and overall amazing ideas coming out of it.
0: Oh well, let's go into the sales pitch for SIU right off the bat, then, because that's a that's a good, you know, we'll just we'll get to the jumping off point right away. Is that is that part of like how you ended up in Carbondale was like right visit right time? Oops, here I am, and now this is where I knew I was supposed to be.
1: Honestly, it was. So the summer before high school, my senior year of high school, went to a few universities to go and visit. Honestly, me and my family, we just spent all of June and July every week, went to a different school for the weekend, had a visit, talked with their faculty like a typical high school student would. And one of the weeks came down to Carbondale, the last one actually, walked into campus and was just blown away blown away by the environment, the trees, the nature. Yeah. But then I actually began talking to the professors and the deans and the directors, and I followed this connection that they actually cared about my about me not only coming to school but about my own development yeah so end of the day like carmondale amazing place but the people is what makes it great yeah yeah
0: no that's i mean that's that's a real good tie-in just for the podcast as a whole right i mean that's part of what this whole project is built around is like you know places without people are just you know structures or nature or resources or whatever there's you know the the soul of it is in the interaction of the of the individuals so like knowing that you got that right off the bat that's cool to hear man no i appreciate that um so (laughs) how many schools did you visit prior to choosing carbon i mean if you spent a whole summer every weekend just going around i mean you had you had your eyes on a lot of stuff
1: Yeah, so I'm from Chicago, so in Chicago itself, there's quite a few universities, but I knew that I wouldn't want to be too close from home, so we went to all around Illinois, mostly in the northern side, but then also Indiana, went to a few universities, and one of the schools a week before Carmondale, I actually had a nightmare that I I got lost in a cornfield, (laughs) so I actually didn't go to the school that week, but then the following week, which was the last week, was Carbondale. So I believe not going to the school the week before and having the nightmare was a omen that Carbondale was a place to be.
0: <laughs> that is phenomenal. I love that. Um, and <laughs> an omen that Carbondale is uh, a place to be for episode 51 on the WTF Carbondale podcast, where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives and tie it all back together to this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois, uh, and Nelson Fernandez for episode 51 one of my favorite kinds of episodes being the ones where i've not actually met somebody in person before um and we just kind of link up one way or the other uh through the internet and then it's like all right let's let's do an interview but but you've been in this building before too which was interesting to find out because you're part of the ldp program and peter at some point in time has (laughs) pulled you guys in here to help out with a little bit of last minute work as we've needed it
1: yeah, so I was part of the Leadership Development Program the last two years um, before this academic year. Amazing program, amazing people. Originally, it just started off with my friend asking if I can come to a game night. Went to the game night, met a few other new recruits. Didn't know I was being recruited to go into the program, but it <laughs> ended up being one of the best choices i made. Uh-huh. Um, met some of my best friends, but also got to learn a lot about leadership from the other members as well as Dr. Durant.
0: Now LDP like it's specifically about like technical leadership, right? Like somebody that is in a technical field, like yourself, getting those leadership skills that apply specifically to a technical field, or is it like a broader program? I like I've I've heard the I I mean I've heard the commercials multiple times today on PB like on NPR alone. So
1: yeah, so from my experience, technical leadership is I would say a Term that's more about formal leadership, where you go through a process and understand the different tools in your toolkit to be able to lead a project, to be able to lead others. Um, more, one area of technical leadership is project management, but that would be more on the managerial side of a project. Mm-hmm. But overall, LDP teaches how to become a leader by first leading yourself as a first year, and then into your second year how to lead others, share what you learned to the first years, and be able to build upon knowledge. Mm-hmm. Because the, the best way to learn anything is to apply it, be able to go to, say, the Warksy Center, and have one person lead the project, mm-hmm. and making sure just everyone on the team is has their morale up, understand what to do, and we do it all together.
0: Nice. <laughs> you guys are the program that doesn't have that uh, uh, that stereotypical um <laughs> you know not as uh not as participatory person in a group project everybody's actually participatory in a group project in LDP <laughs> I'm gonna cue you up for responses we go along here just like if you hear me pause just be like oh okay cool I'll chime in there don't oh, okay, don't cool. hesitate don't hesitate cool. I'm leaving I'm leaving those spots I'm leaving those spots open for you uh <laughs> the uh no man that's 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 cool that's cool so you so does it work like you join then you like have a mentor that's a second year then if you're a first year or how does that all like come together? Um...
1: Yeah. So at the beginning of the year, actually the week before the fall semester, the team comes all together for team week or what we would call hell week, mm-hmm. where we go out for a full week to a camping site and be able to bond with one another. Mm-hmm. And one unique thing to be able to have that mentorship is we all take a strings finder exam that uh, that tells you based on your questions and answers what kind of person you are what kind of skills you have how your empathy level is and then based on that you get matched up to a coach or a second year that is relatively close to you so you can have many more connections and more similarities than just matching up random individuals
2: mm-hmm.
0: huh. okay that's would make sense that like you're trying to like really pair folks with where their, where their strengths and, and uh, personalities uh, already kind of intersect. Um, so, like, for for camp then, is it, like, are you guys doing a bunch of different activities, like, structured for, like, relationship building and, like, developing these interpersonal connections that, you know, lead to, you know, better, better project, uh, you know, management or, or guidance outcomes?
1: We are. So the entire week is dedicated to words – understanding one another, building connections. So then when we go into the academic year and we have those hard weeks where we might have a few hard exams, Mm -hmm. we'll understand one another and have the closest friendships. So we can rely on one another and maybe someone's already been in that class or has a knowledge to be able to help one another out because the best ways to use one another is to know one another. And during the week, the last three, four days are dedicated to a big project. So usually the team will break up into half the more engineering minded individuals, the more technical ones would go out to a company, one of our sponsors, and conduct a major lean manufacturing project. Mm-hmm. The other half will stay in the Carbondale area and work on a big project for a local person or company like the Science Center. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for myself, two falls ago, I was actually the leader of our major lean manufacturing project. Mm-hmm. So, we went out to Hello Electronics in Florida, Illinois one of our sponsors, and we found ways of improving their manufacturing line from how they transport materials around the facility to how they can organize their storage space. And the most important one was, and the most difficult was, how they organize their shipment boxes when they come in from deliveries. Mm -hmm. So then it's the most optimal process because those pallets are quite, quite large. Mm -hmm. And it takes a special forklift to be able to move it around so if you have to move it constantly around to get you a package that's maybe below another one or in the back of an area mm-hmm. because it's a confined space it will be much easier if you can have an optimal process
0: it's like super tetris
1: yep <laughs> <Spot on. laughs>
0: do what sorry
1: it's spot on <laughs>
0: it's, um so like I, so I mean, legitimately, like you know, part of part of these sponsors' supports for the program, they are, they are, uh, like providing. Is it is it just them providing the space and like part of the beneficial outcome? I mean, is is that you know they may have a business benefit to it by providing you guys this space and you know whatever outcomes occur, that employer or that person is directly able to benefit um, from your guys' activity.
1: Usually, that's just one project during the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say from my perspective as a student, the most important benefit out of being a sponsor is after we finish and we graduate with our degree, we're going to be looking for a job to go to a company. Mm-hmm. And being a sponsor, being able to understand what type of students we're producing, yeah. high-level leaders, individuals who can lead themselves, mm-hmm. and also understand how to work well with others. And that's how I believe the program was founded um the company ats advanced technology services Mm -hmm. by dick bidot in peoria that was his initial goal was developing leaders in university so they can go work for him after school
0: Mm -hmm. so is it's is this is beyond just an siu program it is a
1: SIU program, but it's sponsored by several companies. Okay,
0: all right, sorry, I I I'm, but I wasn't sure if like this if, if this particular kind of program if it was like the you know, at a high school level they've got the CEO program that's been around for about a decade now. Uh, that's that's at a bunch of different places, but LDP is is a SIU um, specific program though. Yes, it is. Okay, got it. One of got a kind. It. Nice. Oh, that's cool. That's that's quite something. Uh, no, and it's it's neat. We had uh, had Chris uh, Walls on the podcast just like two episodes ago, so you know there's you know a lot of a lot of connection there between you know all their activity. I mean, it's yeah, it's just cool how how these kind of opportunities and resources exist that really complement one another. And I mean, is is there a pretty? I'm assuming there's a pretty strong placement rate coming out of LDP for. <laughs>
1: Go ahead. There is uh, quite a few students will go work for a company that sponsors us. I know one friend of mine, he works for ATS out in Carolina. Mm -hmm. So his job is mainly focused on continuous improvement from the electrical engineering side and Mm -hmm. understanding how to troubleshoot machineries. So he'll actually travel to different plants that the company will go into and look for improvements. And he gets to travel all around, mostly southeast of the United States, and just go in see what kind of issues they're facing and find ways of improving it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, other students I know works for Boeing, so they'll look, work on the um, electrical, computer science, engineering side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, another one works for NESTO. So it's a good diversity of what kind of job opportunities they have after school.
0: Nice. Nice. You, do you have your eye on something already, or are you still kind of like feeling that part out for yourself? Because you're a junior at this point,
1: right? I am. So last summer, I went to work for a company, Dominion Energy, on the East Coast. They're Mm -hmm. a utility company. No uh, ties to the LDP, but they were quite impressed by what the LDP stands for, what our mission is, the values, Mm -hmm. and what kind of training we went through. They were quite impressed by it. And the company I work for, they actually got bought out by Berkshire Hathaway Energy, Mm -hmm. Warren Buffett's company. And the plan I'm at specifically is Cove Point it's a liquefied natural gas plant so LNG mm-hmm. essentially in a bottle in a bottle the company converts natural gas from a liquid form into a gas form mm-hmm. that can go into the pipelines and go out to customers and people
0: so there's a good tie in for kind of where you're at now with you know the projects that you're hands on at SIU right is this you know is this something for you an entry point into the in energy industry to achieve goals related to sustainability that you're already acting on now as a student.
1: It is. So right now I'm actually on a co-op with a facility right now and I got and I received a return offer for next year and for the future. So LNG is a low carbon emitting fuel source Mm -hmm. and right now on campus we're focused on sustainable energy or renewable energy. So it's a good intersection of learning about what the industry does in terms of transitioning from hard and high carbon emitting sources like a coal mm-hmm. into LNG. And then hopefully in the future, we can have more natural gas or low emitting in addition to sustainable energy like mm-hmm. renewables. So then the way in the future, we can just be completely or as close as we can, 100% sustainable.
0: Well, and I mean, and that's part of it is everybody always talks about, you know, what what is the transition point for things? I've, I've come from, uh, you know, from a coal fed family. Right. Being from Southern Illinois. Right. I've, there are there are plenty offshoots uh, of my family that have uh, that have had comfortable livings because of, uh, you know, dirty energy for uh, a very long time. Uh, but knowing that there's not just a magical flip of the switch where all of a sudden we're, we're at from one end of problematic activity to completely holistic, uh, you know, problem solved, sustainable over over here. I mean, you know, do you are you seeing, you know, kind of what you're pursuing now is, again, that that bridge from from where we're at in a really problem space to where we could be in like a in a fully, uh, you know, sustainable, sustainable
1: world. One hundred percent. I agree. And for us right now on campus, we're working on the green roof and focused on installing wind and energy sources mm-hmm. so that we can help make that connection with the community and get the local area. Also, to not only buy into it and support us, but be able to install it on their own, and overall, just help move the transition to a more renewable, a more sustainable pathway.
0: So, when I was first talking to you about the the stuff earlier, uh, before we started the podcast, I was I was of the mindset that this was kind of like one of those uh, growing roofs where you know you were you were up there to reduce the uh, the heat uh, offput of a roof. By transitioning it to like garden space, but you're that's not where we're at here. You're you're like doing something completely different than that. You're you're going up there and you're installing windmills, right?
1: Yes, so the SIU green roof was installed back in 2009 Uh when they were doing re roofing. Um, The dean at the time, Karen Midden, she led the project and they were able to get a 5,000 square foot green roof on the agriculture building on campus. Okay, all right. So the Their idea and what they've been doing was and has been focused on growing native plants for the area to showcase plants in southern Illinois, in addition to hosting um, urban horticulture projects. So different projects like optimizing the fertilizer growth for cayenne peppers. Mm -hmm. So that's been going on for the last decade. In recent years, there's been low student engagement. That's where I came in. Okay, I've been working with the associate dean, Dr. Groninger focused on how can we increase student engagement on the green roof, not only for agriculture projects, because the field of agriculture that can use the green roof for research is so small. Mm-hmm. And we also have the the um, greenhouse and SIU farms, where most of the students who do research would go and pursue their projects. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to increase a area that many students are not interested in, nor are we going to go recruit just for the green roof. We're finding ways of expanding it and making it more multidisciplinary. And for myself being engineering, I'm not the best with plants and agriculture. So uh-huh. playing to my strengths, let's find ways of increasing renewable energy and other engineering projects like an autonomous irrigation system, which we're doing as well of inspiring other students to go up there on their own and be able to bring their own projects to life. Mm -hmm. That way we can open the gates to all kinds of projects on campus and build this multidisciplinary innovation space for all students to come in and find their own passions.
0: Do you guys have anybody from uh, the School of Mass Media and Communication and all that in in with you guys making videos and all that stuff yet?
1: So any videos is myself, who's uh, mechanical engineering, and my uh-huh. friend Prem Rana, who's audio production from um, communications as well as computer science. So he's a student who's mainly on the coding side for the irrigation system. Mm-hmm. Then we have a friend, one of my friends from Drake University, who is a journalist student. So we're also a cross-functional team, multi-university team as well. Uh-huh. So we have students from all kinds of universities like Texas A&M. Um, Inter American University of Puerto Rico, Case Western in Ohio, and we're all coming together to be able to work on these sustainability-related projects.
0: Oh, that's cool! What's so like? What's going on at these other schools then? Like, what's popping off? Uh, what's popping off elsewhere right now?
1: Um, essentially, I just reached out to my friends, got them involved, and they got their own friends involved because the main engineering projects that began developing was close to you when the pandemic began. Mm-hmm. So when that when COVID began to hit America, everything began dying down from different RSOs competitions to just overall student engagement. Mm-hmm. So that was our opportunity to go reach out and get students involved. And we've been working virtually up until a couple months ago when we began manufacturing any of the designs. So are you taking what you've got here
0: at SIU and trying to replicate it at these other universities or these other places where you've got your friends at Uh, offshoots of uh, like their own particular projects
1: so right now we're all working on the same designs here at SIU the overall goal that we're reaching to hopefully in a year or two is that they can develop their own projects at their own school and build Mm -hmm. their own teams at their school as well right now we're in the beginning phases of let's just make it work here on campus and then begin spreading out in the future
0: nice nice no that's um Scalable leadership. <laughs> did, did you always know that, like, this type of activity was was for you? Like, or has this been something that you've kind of stumbled upon, like, throughout, you know, just your, your regular run of studies uh, in school?
1: Honestly, it goes just to the harder you work, the luckier you get. And then you have a ha- few happy coincidences here and there. Uh-huh. Um, so myself being involved with different... Innovative ideas kind of goes back to the beginning of high school. So my freshman year of high school, was in my first class of the year, biology. Mm -hmm. And my teacher was also the um, teacher who was focused on independent research projects in my high school. Being in Chicago, we had innovative programs like a STEM, we called it SIRS STEM Inquiry Research. So Mm -hmm. every single day for about an hour, you worked on your science fair project centrally. And she invited me into the lab, taught me how to do 3D print with the 3D printer, mm-hmm. and then I just began taking the research course and going about research for the next three years. And that's actually going back to how and why I chose SIU, because my senior year, we can reach out to different professors and universities to become mentors for our projects. Mm-hmm. So after visiting Carmen Ongfong, Love Lovisa uh, area, went back to school, reached out to the uh, Chair of Mechanical Engineering, who then connected me to a professor in mechanical engineering as well. Mm-hmm. And he mentored me on a project where we converted greenhouse gases into oxygen, liquid hydrogen, and carbon monoxide in small amounts, of course. Mm-hmm. But mainly converting <laughs> greenhouse gases into oxygen and a fuel source. Uh-huh. And just the way that he connected with me and worked with me throughout the year, not expecting that i come to the school, but instead focused on developing myself and making myself the best I can be mm-hmm. is where this drive and passion comes from and stems from.
0: How time intensive was it for that professor to give you that kind of attention? I mean, was it was it just like a phone call and email here and there to help keep you on track or was it like super like in depth like wow, this person's mm-hmm. devoting a lot of time to me. How, how do they have all this time to to devote this to me right now?
1: Definitely, like most professors here, they don't have the most amount of time, but an email, a phone call here and there to just make sure I'm on the right path and then sending me the right reading material so I can understand it on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, The main endeavor of the class, the main goal was focused on students being able to understand the material on their own and be able to develop it as much as they can on their own Mm -hmm. with a little little bit of guidance here and there. Um, He did invite me to come to his lab for a weekend, and that's when we did a good chunk of the work and made the material and the project happen. Mm -hmm. But mainly just a phone call every week or two, an email here and there was honestly the best. Yeah, no, I
0: mean, that's the, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's real cool, man. The uh, not even, you know, having, having a, a remote grasp of what it takes to to be a, a a engaged uh university professor right to to know that even just that little bit of time peeled away and and it off to to somebody who has shown potential and interest like that's it's a powerful thing
1: <laughs> it is devoting 15 minutes every couple of weeks and just making sure that we're aligned and understanding where I'm at and what I understand and understanding where I am weaker in and finding ways of strengthening myself up to be able to keep moving forward was more than enough and much appreciated, especially being at a volunteer stage.
0: Nice. Did this, uh, I mean, did, I mean, did you, well, I, the cool thing is like now that you're explaining the, 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 uh, you know, the science project from, from high school, uh, you know, seeing where, that crossover of uh the l n g and the you know sustainable renewable projects kind of meet that like this is something for somebody that's i mean you're what probably twenty twenty one ish yeah okay, cool, so you're you know your your stuff goes about as far back in your in your timeline of possible interest development as it can <laughs> right that it's like oh this thing this is just like lead. Uh, led you through a, through this path all the while kind of staying anchored in in something that uh, uh, that's been important from you for you from the get go um, have are, are you one of those folks that sees a value in developing a personal narrative that will help you drive uh, development in your career
1: so I'm a person who loves to watch movies and TV shows. Uh-huh. And sometimes I do think about my life like it's a movie, it's a TV show. Mm-hmm. And what if a camera crew is like filming me from like a distance or from a bush and it's kind of like I always want to put my best foot forward. I might, all, I might not always be successful, but it's all all about the journey. And understanding that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we need to find a way of getting from point A to point B. But enjoying it along the way. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, that's that that makes sense. I mean, you uh, having having a comprehension of of that and really that that this is a way that, you know, because of the proliferation of media, right in the modern day, it's not, you know, just 100 years ago, we had radios and newspapers, and that was it, um, right, that the lens of which we we view our lives now is completely different than what Uh, you know humans had essentially conditioned themselves to look at it as uh over over the most recent century Uh, but like grasping that yourself and then like following that knowing okay cool like this is my story this all comes together in in this way and it will be for one larger presentation uh you know as as life progresses like Good on you for getting that, man. Good on you for, like, feeling that. When, have you, have you like, always been a movies and TV kind of guy, like, since you were, like, a, a child kid? Or have you just, like, as you've grown up, just been like, oh, I like movies and TV more?
1: <laughs> oh, no, definitely it's been something since I'm, as long as I can remember. Like, I still remember watching the Scooby-Doo movies that my parents bring with my sister and my parents uh-huh. on the tiny box TV and we, put, we would put in the VHS and make sure the tape was refined all the way. <laughs> but over time, just, like, being able to have that time with my family, with my friends, enjoy something all together. Yeah. Like, watching all of the Marvel movies and understanding that even though they're all individual movies, they all interact in some way to mm-hmm. make a bigger picture happen.
0: Yeah. Ah, so you draw, you draw like, a, a, you find relationships, um, you know, based in, based in those connections just as well like that's part of how you interpret your individual relationships
1: most definitely like anytime i meet someone i always like think about like something that they said and make some kind of connection like oh you should talk to this person because they have a similar interest or have you done something because like maybe i've done something similar mm-hmm. always finding how point a and point b connects or maybe point a and point x
0: no it's good that's good the um um <laughs> uh has has that that networking component is that something that's always been a part of you as as well like have you always been kind of a social person willing and able to to step out and and make that connections with folks or have you had to learn that uh as you've developed interest in in other things and like understood how important that is to it
1: most definitely i was not always the most outgoing person i was quite shy and reserved Uh especially early in life but then at just some point, it became like, okay, just go talk to one person at this event. And, hey, maybe go talk to another person. Then it just keeps building up. And I'm the guy at, a, at the conference that will go around and get everyone's LinkedIn and Instagram contacts.
0: Nice. Nice. You know, you, you know how to work a room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just starts, starts with one person. Honestly, like, um, a good chunk of the individuals and students working on the projects stemmed off from a conference i went to about over a year ago Mm -hmm. like the student from the inter-american university puerto rico and case western met them at the conference and we built a good friendship together we would talk in a group chat every once in a while Mm -hmm. then it came came to the point where it's like they're cool people maybe they want to come do this project and then they just brought their friends into it and that's how we built the team foster collab foster relationships and just built upon it and that's you know, I, I
0: hope that you will find, you know, as you know, not not everybody has good experiences in their professional lives, but I hope that you're able to find that that's just continues to blossom as you get out there and start doing this stuff for, you know, career path work or, um, you know, for or entrepreneurial endeavors or whichever whichever way that you approach it from. Right. Um, that uh, that it that it lands like that, because, man, it's it's a rewarding feeling. Right. I mean, do you. Is that, is that social gratification of, of what feels like success when people come together, is that another one of those
1: drivers for you? It does. Like This might uh, be contrary to what we're talking to, but working late at night and pulling all-nighters, I love the feeling because it's just <laughs> me, myself, and I. But being able to work with others, it's a feeling that will trump any other. Yeah, Be able to hear out others' ideas and hear out what they might have to say and what they believe in and overall just like being able to do something with someone else because you can have the most success possible but what was the journey to get there was it being by yourself and just isolating or was it working with others and having a good time in the process
0: no uh i mean that sounds like empathy and engineering right which is something that you know we're we're taught just through media is all but lacking in engineering uh, in the engineering world um is that is is that another one of those things like you've been able to find like, Oh, this is what, this is what being empathetic looks like and feels like and, and, and applies like just as well. Um, and I say that from a Peter perspective, like, you know, one of the first things that he'll identify in somebody, if they're, you know, a a problematic, you know, order issuer is a lack of empathy in what they do. So I feel like if, if that's a Peter thing, it's probably an LDP thing. If it's an LDP thing, it's probably a Nelson thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely, I couldn't agree more. Like, things to are projects on the green roof, if no one wants to have a wind turbine up there, maybe we take on another project. But mm-hmm. students begin buying into it. Faculty buys into it, too. And next thing we know, we have all the support. And they want to see this project come to life. Mm-hmm. Because end of the day, you can have the best product there is be the most efficient and possible, the best UI, but if no one's going to use it, what what was the purpose of it?
0: And if nobody wants it and you build it anyway, that says that you weren't listening to those folks to begin
1: with. Most definitely. And that's why for the past year with the Innovation Fellows, we've been hosting design thing workshops Mm -hmm. and try and get students and individuals, community members together so we can hear out their ideas about the projects and hear about what they want to see come out of it. So... In the earlier ones, we focused on how can we engage students on the green roof? And ideas came up such as holding more volunteer events, holding more events in general related to sustainability, as well as the different engineering ideas and projects. Then just opening it up to friends that we had at other schools, other countries, mainly in Europe. Um, We have quite a few connections in the Netherlands, Germany area. Mm -hmm. And from that perspective, they have other technologies, other ideas, projects going on. So then we kind of have a mix of all these ideas all coming together and focused in on the green roof and making it the best we can be.
0: Wild. International ideas just falling right into a rooftop right here in little old Carbondale.
1: It is. (laughs) So part of the University Innovation Fellows Program, which is through the SIU Research Park, Mm -hmm. which is connected to the bigger program of UIF hosted by Stanford. Mm -hmm. Different schools with UIF and fellows can host what we call meetups or conferences. So about a year ago, right before the pandemic hit, myself and seven others and a faculty member went to Austria, Salzburg specifically, Mm -hmm. for one of these meetups. And here we had a few kids from from South Carolina, I believe, Ohio, New York. And then mainly from the Netherlands and Germany. Mm-hmm. And we all came together, about 30 of us, for about a week. Did quite a few different activities, bonded together, had a great time socializing. And mainly understanding like what ideas other people are passionate about and what projects they're doing. And just overall their experiences. And I believe that's the best part about life. is just coming together and connecting with other individuals. And I made sure every time I'd be in networking, getting someone's LinkedIn, I would ask them about the green roof, what they thought about it, mm-hmm. and what their ideas was about it, from what they think it is to what it is actually, to how we can make it better.
2: Mm-hmm. Huh.
0: That's uh... <laughs> that willingness to just put it out there and just be like, "Hey, here, like here's here's what I got." You know, that that opens the door so much more than simply trying to, you know, do the do the social dance of, you know, do we click or do we not? It's just here's everything I got. Are you in a little bit or are you not interested in being in that, that relationship? I mean, and to hear that you're out there making, you know, and and developing an international network just through activity here at SIU I mean that's that's phenomenal I mean it was that even was that even in your purview when you first saw all the trees and were like "Ooh, nice campus Bet I can develop an international network of like-minded <laughs> professional individuals if I go here
1: definitely was the idea not in the spectrum coming to Carmendale the first time around and just on the highway coming down seeing farmlands I didn't know what much you expect especially being from chicago yeah like in chicago a lot of city a lot of people buildings and me and my family would travel around but never came south of springfield yeah so on the drive down had a few fearful ideas about what i might expect but <laughs> actually coming to campus being in the town best feeling ever and best choice I made good
0: ah, that's neat that's neat so are you are you chicago kid born and raised Yes, I am. Nice, nice. You, uh, sports teams or any any sort of like, I don't know, city city allegiances that I that I need to be aware about in our conversation. Definitely uh, basketball, Chicago Bulls all oh, day that's, long. Oh, uh, that, that, that doesn't count. There's only one basketball <laughs> team in Chicago. I'm asking you, are you a Cubs or a Sox fan if you're into baseball? But if you're not, don't worry about
1: it. I knew that was a question you were trying to get <laughs> at. You're like, um, ple- plead the yeah.
0: fifth if you need to, too.
1: <laughs> I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but I'll go Cubs all day long. There you go. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's weird being uh, being down here and and watching the the mix of Cubs Cardinals rivalry, and there's just like socks aren't even a part of it. But then you go north, and all of a sudden, it's like, who are the Cardinals? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a fun, it's a fun, click. Um, so grown, I mean, grown up, a uh, grown up, a city kid. I mean, was it uh, how was the how was the transition to uh, slower-paced, more kind of small-town living. I mean, even though it's a college town, it's
1: still, like, it's much more quiet here than I imagined it is in Chicago. So in Chicago, I actually live on the north side in the suburbs. Uh-huh. In Skokie, Illinois, it's right about three miles from Northwestern University in Evanston, uh-huh. to, like, give a geographical perspective. Yeah. Um, so one, I feel one experience I had in my life that allowed me to adapt quicker to Carmen was being a runner. Yeah. So in high school, did a lot of track and cross country. We would go out in the forest every day and just go on our runs, go on our training runs and yeah. just being able to slow down in life and have our minds just think more critically and just relax. and not saying Carmel knows like our forests up North, no, but no, just but. being able to take that time and be relaxed because in the city you can get pretty quick paced and runs best feeling ever Just slow down, take life nice and easy, be with our friends. Yeah, and then I continued the trend and continued with marathon running. So even more nice, nice and slow, relaxed uh, pace. So
0: how how long you so have you like did you essentially get out of high school and just go right into running marathons? Like that was kind of your transition. Oh, I'm gonna keep running. Let's let's put in twenty six point two or
1: um. So definitely, I'm a I would say I'm a more of a mid distance guy, like eight hundred mile. But it took quite a bit of adjusting to the longer distances in terms of racing. Mm -hmm. So just over a course of a year, began doing more 10-mile, 5K-paced races. And then Mm -hmm. in uh, October of 2019, so a little bit over a year in my second year here in Carbondale, went home to Chicago and did the Chicago Marathon, actually. Oh, that's cool. But it was uh, quite a bit of a transition to think more long distance and short distance.
0: So you're, I mean, you're, and so you're still definitely running right now. Like, <laughs> are, are you, are you, you think it's something you're gonna stick with? It wasn't just like a one-off. Oh, I ran my my one marathon for life. I'm good. Like, is this kind of your, your thing? Do you think it's a, do you think it's a long-term, long-term interest and endeavor in marathon running?
1: Definitely, it is. Maybe not as frequently, but yeah, making sure I get in my miles and look at achieving different goals. I know that one goal I have is to do. I forgot the name of it, but it's doing a marathon in all the major cities in the world. So uh-huh. the Chicago Marathon, Boston, New York, London, Berlin, and Tokyo, I believe. Mm-hmm. So being able to do major marathons because it's also gonna help me travel the world and just go and see different places.
0: Yeah, oh, that's cool. Do you or do you hike as well? I mean, I know you said you were drawn here by the nature, but is like actually going out? And I mean, do you you know do you hit giant city or you know? any any of the trails in the Shawnee Forest or what whatever else. I mean, is that a, is that a thing that you get out and do?
1: So I actually make sure every at least two weeks I go up with my friend and we just go to a different place and go hike. Mm-hmm. So we'll go like double stand table, explore different parts of Giant City, go to the Gardens of the Gods, go out to Tunnel Hill in Rienna mm-hmm. and just make sure make it a point to go out and explore because I know that we're here for four years, so we wanna make the most of out most of it and yeah. we only have about a year left, so we gotta make the most of exploring what there is in Southern Illinois and ah, find cool, all the man. hidden gems.
0: That's that's good. Hey, we're, we made it on the back of a quarter somewhere. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, it's something I would I would definitely in, encourage you to think about. And this is one of those like, you know, do you do these things in in between, um, you know, getting out of school and and going into a career path? But my best friend, uh, he's a he's a through hiker, and his he's done the Appalachian Trail and. Uh, significant chunks of other trails as well um done some climbing and some other things but it's like hit his he's a mix of runner and outdoors person so that just seems like a a fit I'm, i'm throwing that out there now if you're if you're if you're trying to if you're trying to squeeze in one more big experience before you go conquer the world go through hike something
1: <laughs> so actually, it's funny how you bring that up because, mom, one of my best friends I met in the LDP uh-huh. that works out in Carolina now. We're actually planning a trip with a couple of his friends to go to Machu Picchu in Peru and be able to hike the entire trail. Nice. So to be able to get you that point, which hopefully will be in the next one or two years, uh-huh. we're gonna go and go to the Appalachian Mountains, go to the Rockies, and just build up hiking so then when we get you Peru. We're all at our best
0: now. Is is Peru? Um, is is that part of the? Um, uh, is it the Intercontinental uh, Trail or what, whatever? Whatever the West Coast Trail? Because there's like three. I don't know this man. I've only heard this like in conversation. So bear with me, as I'm not real good at this. You may have to just be like Nathan. I got this. Let me hold your hand through it. But it's like there. You know, there's the 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 Triple Crown of of through hikes, and there's one that's you know East Coast, one that's the you know more. Center of the country, and one that's West Coast, and the West Coast one runs all the way down to South America somewhere. But I, I don't know. I may not be right in what I'm talking about.
1: Honestly, that's the first time I'm hearing about it. Okay, then
0: I'm then I'm probably not right, and I'm and I would have to refer to uh, to to them on on what all they have they have hiked and they have told me about it. I've not retained any knowledge of. So um, <laughs> I digress. Cool that you're already looking into it. I, I something something like made me think I had a feeling after we got into the the marathon and the outdoorsy stuff that it would definitely be of a, uh, of interest. So I'm glad that you're already pursuing.
1: <laughs> but w- honestly, one of the best parts about hiking is taking pictures and photography. Uh huh. So I know we were talking before we began about like the camera you had. Yeah. And that's actually like one of my bigger interests is being able to take pictures and be able to remember what i've done what i've done with my friends Uh so i know when i'm finished with school and i go travel the world i'll be able to have like a binder of all these different pictures and write down like what we've done who i was with and just be able to have this memory bank of different experiences here in southern illinois
0: well and I, i think just overall right i mean you'll you'll find especially if you if you um you know uh achieve uh you know great feats in your your professional um, life that you know understanding what you want media to be framed as around you and around the work that you do is a is a special skill that not everybody again has but is so critical in the here and now and I appreciate you being like yeah hey, I'll come do an interview uh, not having a whole lot of context as to what you um, you know, this, this uh, particular interview uh, format is like, Um, and it'll be kind of cool that like this gets to be just one more little snippet in your story that you'll always be able to go back to and be like, oh, here's what I thought about this back then. And I said this and I have a recording of it. and Now I can reference it. And I know.
1: (laughs) Uh. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. Like anytime if someone, a friend or someone I've never met before comes and asks me for something, I'll always try and help out and be that person there to be willing to help. Yeah. Now, I do know how to say no and know when my limits are at a certain point or, yeah. or when my plate's full. Definitely, I learned that in the past few years. I was part of so many RSOs, so many different organizations that I was being pulled in so many directions, that I just couldn't handle it. Yeah, But it did teach me one of the most important lessons of saying no and knowing what my limits are. So now in time, I know what I'm focused on. And I can achieve the most, Alvin, make mm-hmm. it the best quality I can because I can put all my time towards these certain activities that I know that I'm passionate about.
0: Did Did you feel like pursuing um, the work as student trustee? Right. So we both lost elections in the past um, in the past uh, ten days. So uh, solidarity, my friend. The uh, <laughs> um, you know, does that? Do you look at that as like a unifying opportunity where you say? You know, here's this here's this uh, you know larger position that would allow me to unify the work that I would have otherwise done, trying to fragment myself into, you know 10 different activities with RSOs and extracurriculars and classwork and whatever else.
1: So the way that I see the election going about was not a loss, but, understanding what students want and what they support yeah so my entire platform was built around sustainability because that's what i believe in that's what i'm passionate about and i know that many students on campus are as well yeah now we may not have won the election and that's a-okay but knowing that we were only about four percent off from the win was incredible here we had over 240 votes on a platform around sustainability that yeah. shows administration that shows everyone that hey students care about sustainability they want to see a change to it and i know from talking to our campus leadership and administration that they believe in it as well and they're making it a more focal point of what they're doing during their administration yeah. which is quite important and i commend everyone who's working on sustainability on campus to keep going and that it's amazing to see
0: yeah that's good well and and the The important part will always be the the policy positions that you stake yourself in and whether or not you can find those achieved, regardless of who is actually in a position uh, to you know make and make a formal vote on something, right? Like just to know that your position on, sustainability and the projects tied to it uh, has increased its viability just by running that race. I mean, that's a success. That's a significant success.
1: It really is. And during that 10-day period of campaigning, that was my best opportunity to to go out there, talk with students, and not only promote myself, but promote what we're doing on the green roof at the same time. Mm -hmm. That way, everyone's focused on what we can do. They know what's going on, and we can go move forward all together.
0: a tied together like a bonded student body is one of those things that i i I think is key to to redeveloping siu to its glory days man it's a it's a bummer to not be able to share like so even you know again 31 old man as i am um young man to most old man in this conversation sorry this is the first time i felt dated in a while thanks nelson i appreciate you (laughs) um but the um just just the 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 raucous exciting like really really special version of carbondale from many decades ago that even i wouldn't have gotten to to experience in 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 my heyday or even you know growing up as a as a kid i wish that was something that was something we could share more with the with the here and now but just to just to know that there's a there's a certain closeness in the student body and you know working to come together as a as a whole to kind of see what everybody's goals and interests are that you know that's that's going to trickle down into uh you know activity for for a series of students that come after you're gone and after the set of the next students and so on and so forth that you know your trend setting and pace setting now so that hopefully, you know, the experiences of some of these folks that are even younger than you are now get to catch up and have them when
1: they arrive here. Most definitely, like from my lessons in the sustainability environmental sciences side, there are two different ways of going about sustainability. It's the top down approach from mm-hmm. having a influential role and be able to trigger trickle down with different mandates and resolutions being put into place mm-hmm. but then there is also the bottom up approach which i believe is much more effective because if you can build a correlation of coalition of students and individuals supporting an idea mm-hmm. then administration and influential people would find a way of making their work happen making that support come to your life as well
0: so is this stuff i mean how how does how does Carbondale as a community latch onto this and get some of what you're building out into the space that is just in the, the, you know, greater town as a, as a whole, right? Like if we've got, if we've got as a community space is identified for you to come, you know, start working in and have community members that are able and, and willing and, and wanting to, to assist and get hands-on with a project? I mean, would you guys just come out and start working with people?
1: So that brings up an interesting question that we're going to be answering over the course of the next year is, what's the next step? What is this program going to look like? Will will, will there be a program? And the answer to the last one is yes. There's going to be some connectivity happening after I graduate and I leave. Mm -hmm. And what I envision that being is students coming here to campus interest in clean energy and interest in renewable energy, we'll be able to have hands-on opportunities to install the different solar, wind, hydroelectric, you name it, type of technology here on campus in the area. Mm-hmm. I noticed that in the three years I've been here in Carbondale, I've been seeing a lot more solar installations on different rooftops and different areas, mm-hmm. and that's something that interests me, and I can see being a vocal point of what we're doing on campus. And that being the intersection of increasing renewable energy, increasing people becoming involved. Because the way I see Carbino and SIU is one another needs one each other to mm-hmm. be able to thrive and move forward. The university needs a town as much as a town needs a university. Yep. And being able to have more involvement is important. Like you mentioned stories in the past, like, I remember being told by alumni about how tailgate was not just in the parking lot outside the arena, uh-huh. but it was in the parking lot across from the student center. Um, all the different social life stories from cars being flipped to just people gathering and having a great time. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel in order to move forward, we need to find ways of continuing to engage the community. Oh.
0: So for for you, do you see a big kind of step in the next year figuring out what the warm handoff looks like of you know all this work that you've done all everything that you put in like how do you how do you identify the individuals that can keep it going and then make sure that the transition happens smoothly to them I mean that may tie back right into you know LDP activity or it may just be like hey are you personally thinking about (laughs) how all this comes together
1: definitely there's a few different avenues we can go about the biggest concern we have is since I, gr- I recruited most of my friends to come join the project, mm-hmm. they're all my age, so they're all going to be graduating when I graduate, mm-hmm. which is uh, unfortunate, but we'll be able to do stuff after college. Yeah. So the question becomes, can we recruit enough next year to be able to build a big enough program and be able to gain a strong enough support and buy-in from these students mm-hmm. in order to move forward all together? Or can we create a program that's more standardized such as a business or a nonprofit, because we do have about half the team attends another university or is in in the industry already Mm -hmm. so then the question becomes is this going to stay just in Carmino and just SIU or or can this be more of a larger program where we go into other universities as well and train their students to be able to lead their own teams and Mm -hmm. their own projects so it's more of a question of where I see myself in the future as just after finishing college, am I just going to go work in industry for a bit before starting up a few companies or going for grad school mm-hmm. or is this something that I'm going to be doing along with industry? Yeah.
0: Well, and I mean, it's figuring out what activities to do in tandem with one another is always the balance, right? <laughs> like, like, how much time do I need to be in school? How much time do I need to be working for somebody else? How much time do I need to be working for myself? Right. Those are really kind of the the three things that uh, that you balance um, when you've when you've got a let's say a leadership mindset, right? Um, is is the ultimate goal for you? Do you do you want to be in a in in a you know ownership type of leadership position? Is the entrepreneur start your own business route part of a part of the things that are on the table right now?
1: So just like thinking about what we're doing right now on campus, I went out, built a team of mainly my friends to go and um, complete an innovative project. That's more of the foreshadow of what I want to see happen in the future. Mm -hmm. Go with my friends who are also super innovative, hardworking and fun individuals and be able to start up a larger company where we're not just focused on one idea my own vision, but we can each do our own visions while also supporting one another. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing right now is kind of hopefully foreshadowing the future to come.
0: Cool. Very cool as well. No, I mean, just, you know, and that's, that's part of what this whole school experience is supposed to be like, Hey, how do I model (laughs) things that I want to do in real life in in a, in a, say a less risky environment. <laughs> do you have a d- does your does your family have any entrepreneurship background or, or are you kind of like the the breakout star here as as um you know as, as somebody kind of pursuing something a little different?
2: Uh,
1: definitely I'm the uh outsider of my family <laughs> without a doubt um so my parents immigrated to America from Pakistan in the 1980s uh-huh. then I have a sister who was born in 94 She's right now a first grade teacher up in Skokie, Chicago area. Mm-hmm. And here I am being a engineer and going out and doing big projects and focused on that leadership side.
0: Nice. Hey man. It's it's everybody gets to be their own person. That's the <laughs> that's the cool part about life, right? Is that uh you get to you get to find what that path is and hopefully uh uh Hopefully, the folks around you'll be happy with your choices along the way.
1: (laughs) Most definitely. Like I know my family, from my parents to all my aunts and uncles and people from my own high school, like they're all like rooting me on and like finding ways of like how can I help out. Yeah. Then following us on Instagram also. Good.
0: Good. Oh man, I'm I'm pushing I'm pushing that perfect hour mark on the on the conversation where we're at, and I mean this is this has just been. A good exploratory conversation. Do you have you? I mean, do you do media interviews or other types of uh, types of uh, you know reporting conversations in relations to other projects? I mean, you know, I, you know, green roof stuff or whatever else it may be. You know, talking to the Daily Egyptian or talking to folks uh, that do uh, the the River Region Evening News. Have you have you engaged in media in that way uh, before through uh, through all of the work that you've done?
1: So I, the one time that we did have a reach out was back last October. Mm-hmm. It was the 10-year anniversary of the SIU Green Roof. So we worked with one of the local um, news people on the story and mm-hmm. also s- promoting our live stream of the event. We had a few different speakers from the chancellor himself to Karen Turekker, the sustainability coordinator at, mm-hmm. at SIU. To
0: That's who I was trying to pinpoint that I get emails from when I was talking to you earlier. I was like, I couldn't remember the name, and I couldn't. Sustainability Office, Karen Schallwager. Very good. Continue. Sorry, I didn't mean to interject.
1: Definitely, she's amazing. She supports us and always finds a way to help us out. Then we also had the Associate Dean of Ag, Dr. Groninger, and Karen Midden, the dean who pioneered the green roof, come and Uh speak. But otherwise, we have been holding off on media attention until we can get the wind turbine up and installed Mm -hmm. in the next month. That way we have something to show that's tangible. Ah. And then going into next year, we can focus on building relationships with different companies, getting sponsorships, and then understanding what we have and how we can expand out larger.
0: So I'm almost getting like a preview right now. Like this is, I'm, I'm, I'm WTF Carbondale exclusive right <laughs> right now in some of your activity. Um, thanks. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> right now you're at the best time, Burr, on that edge of, getting the mount up right now the mount's actually getting powder coated by a individual ras coating out in marion uh-huh. so have you ever heard of powder coating
0: yes i am i'm familiar with but i'd love to hear how you guys are applying it
1: so powder coating is a zinc oxide i believe covering on or coating onto the 4130 steel alloy we have mm-hmm. that make it can be uv protected and weatherproofed because it's going to be outdoor mm-hmm. we wouldn't want it to rust anytime soon and this coating is going to give it about three five year of resistance and protection mm-hmm. so then it can be around for a good chunk of time it's going to have a nice red coating on it as well so they can catch students eyes as they walk by thompson woods
0: is the um, are are your larger um uh, windmills like people think of you know large turbines as they're driving the highway in rural illinois right is that um is are do they have uh you know i would imagine they're not going through and just powder coating those massive wind turbines is there something similar on on those type of uh those type of um uh windmills that um does something similar to what you're doing with powder coating like was there already kind of a basis for 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 doing that?
1: Most definitely there is. Um, so those larger wind turbines are going to be up there for I would say at least about fifty years mm-hmm. at least twenty five on the low end perhaps and they'll need that protection because between the rain the sleet the snow and different temperatures mm-hmm. that metal can easily get rusted without any protection okay. But our turbine, now in perspective, is about 10 feet in height in total. Mm-hmm. The mount itself is about 6 feet tall, and then the blades are vertical axis. So instead of spinning like those larger windmills, it's spinning more of this it, way. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's, in a, it's in a column rather than in a fan. Yes. Okay. I, I got a little bit of a brain here every now and then. I can do shapes. <laughs> I don't do them well, but I can do them when I need to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one, uh, one issue we do run into quite often is when we talk about a wind turbine. Uh-huh. Usually, individuals think about like fifty-foot towers, and we're like, no, 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 no. It's gonna be about ten feet tall. Yeah, the thing weighs about a hundred seventy-five pounds. It's about the size and the weight of a person.
0: How much? I mean, how much energy do you anticipate generating with just this one thing? I mean, is it is it enough to would it be would it be like enough to
1: power a household
0: with one of these things?
1: So during this year, we were focused on making sure that the wind turbine is stable and it wouldn't fly off the roof. Because if it does, it's a disaster. Yeah, project it's gets killed immediately. Maybe yeah. we harm in individuals in the process, which is never an okay thing. Yeah. Safety is always a top priority. So our focus was: can we just make sure the turbine can be safely installed temporarily? Because we're not mounting it into the roof. For avoiding any permanence with the design, mm-hmm. so then with the success and additional support as we continue next year, we can focus on the power generation and be able to see how much power we can generate from it, and additionally add solar panels, solar modulars onto it, which are much higher in power production.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, I, I dig that, man. That's uh that's quite the that's quite the project to be working on as as a as a college student, and something that I hope does well for you, uh, and and goes to showcase your your viability, whether it's on your own uh, or whether it is with um, with another company. And I, as I blur in and blur out, that is episode fifty one of the WTF Carbonell podcast, where we have interviewed interviewed a very interesting SIU student, specifically Nelson Fernandez, uh, that. Uh, is achieving awesome things uh, here uh, in Carbondale and uh, just nice to have him around for the amount of time that we do have him so uh, we appreciate him for that and uh, as I always say at the end of these things have a good one whatever that one may be.